Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I've been talking this morning regarding... Um, I don't know, just giving some people some tips to help them through COVID-19 if they if their income uh, is um, uh, goes down or if they're furloughed or laid off or if they're worried about either of those two things in the future, just sort of giving people some things to think about and some things to do and maybe not do uh, in a situation like that. So um, for, this, for the second hour of the show here, I'm going to focus on um, people that are of the age where they can collect social security. So maybe people... So or forced into retirement uh, before they expected to be, um, or people that were, you know, planning to retire and just giving some information about um, Social Security. So um, I have a guest on the line, Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. We've had Kirk on the show many, many times. Um, Kirk is a Kurt, excuse me, um, is a veteran of the Social Security Administration and now is an independent consultant. And um, uh, we've known uh, each other for years, and Kurt's been on the show many times. We generally do have him on in the spring because we usually do a social security, like an informational speaking engagement um, around this time of year. We've done that every year for a while. And um, unfortunately this year we weren't able to do it uh, given the situation, but we still wanted to grab Kurt and get you on the show, Kurt, because you're just a wealth of information and very entertaining at that. So good morning, Kurt. How are you? Good morning, Alyssa. How are you? Good to be back. And yeah, it's a shame we weren't able to do our in-person session, but hopefully we can share some valuable information with listeners this morning. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you so much. It's it's just, it's so weird for me to be the last several times I've done the show. I've I've been in studio solo and it's very weird. I sort of had to get over my fear of that, but I do appreciate you uh, joining me on the phone. Um, and so sure, from the world headquarters of Zarnowski that, Consulting, I want you to know that. Is that the basement of your home or your, yes. your home office? <laughs> I guess everyone has a home office these days. Many people anyway. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, like I said, I spent the first hour just kind of talking through, um, you know, in a pinch where people can get money and things to think about and not think about if they're stressed about money and employment and things like that. So, um, you know, just wanted to uh, transition to for people that are of social security age, which is 62 or older, um, and what their options are for collecting social security. Um, and and it doesn't even have to be if they were forced into retirement early, just, just 
just for just information about Social Security in general and, and options for collecting and spousal options and, oh, and, sure. and things like that. So I just like, you know, as, as you and I always do, usually we are usually you do it with my husband, the show, but... Um, just because he likes to he likes to do the show when he has a guest that can talk for two hours about stuff and he does not as much pressure on him as you're one of those guests, Kurt. You could just talk for two hours about, about you. what you know, which is great. So uh, I well, thought I only have an hour, Alyssa, so I'll talk doubly fast. Talk extra fast. I thought we would just like start with the basics, like sure. um, when when people can collect and you know the different options and, and how the benefit changes based on the age that they collect. So do you want to start there as like a Sure, absolutely. So you know, and I think there's Two focuses on the on the conversation for the next hour. So one is Social Security retirement benefits in general, and then are there some issues that are of particular import to maybe folks adversely impacted by this COVID nineteen disaster yep. uh, who find themselves out of work? Are there particular things they need to worry about? So let's focus first on just on general retirement issues. Social Security each month pays about seventy. Uh, I'm sorry, pays sixty four million people benefits. Mm-hmm. tune of about $88 billion, a uh, hugely important part of the economy of this country. Social Security has been around for nearly 85 years now. Yeah. Um, and on the retirement program, and that's where most of the interest is these days as the baby boom generation storms towards retirement, you know, in helping people understand their choices and options, I say, you need to start by making sure you know what Social Security calls your full retirement age. It's a key concept in the program and a lot of features do flow from this concept of full retirement age. Now when Social Security started back in 1935, Congress set someone's full retirement age as the month they turned age 65. And it was that way without exception for everyone until 1983 when Congress increased this concept of Social Security full retirement age for anyone born 1938 or later. Increase has been gradually phased in over time. Now, for a big chunk of the baby boomers, anyone born between 1943 and 1954, Social Security says that person's full retirement age is the month they turn age 66. Okay. But it continues to increase. Tops out right now under current law, anyone born 1960 or later, like you, has a Social Security full retirement age as the month you turn age 67. Now, it's important to know, collecting at someone's full retirement age month is not their only choice, not their only option. But you need to know what your full retirement age month is, because as I said before, a lot of features of the program flow from at least having reached that point. Now, you opt to start collecting your Social Security retirement payment the month you hit full retirement age. That means one thing and one thing only. It means you'll receive 100% of the amount your work and earnings have entitled you to collect. And we'll talk in a second how that all gets calculated. Okay. But starting full retirement age month, you get 100% of your benefit. But people actually have a range of options in which to start collecting. And under the rules today, Regardless of what your full retirement age is, you can begin to collect retirement benefits as early as the month you turn age 62. 62 is the earliest age you can collect the Social Security retirement benefit based on your own work record. Now, if we have some time, we can talk about survivor benefits for widows and widowers, and they can actually start a little bit sooner, as early as age 60. But here's the thing. Social Security, as the name implies, it's a social insurance program. Congress has built certain social goals into it. And one is a hope that at the end of the day, everyone will end up with roughly the same amount of total lifetime benefits regardless of when they started to collect. And so Mm. you have to start taking your payments prior to hitting that full retirement age month. Well, now, because by starting sooner, in theory anyway, based on average life expectancy, you're going to be collecting for a longer period of time, you'll find that your monthly payment amount gets reduced. How much a reduction? Well, it's roughly half a percent per month for each month prior to your full retirement age that you opt to collect benefits. Half percent per month, roughly a 6% per year reduction by starting early, but You don't have to start on your birthday. You don't have to start the first of the calendar year. But if you opt to collect prior to hitting your full retirement age at whatever point makes the most sense for you, you'll find that your payment amount has been reduced. And by the way, it's a permanent 
reduction. Yep. A lot of people mistakenly think, yeah, I know I'll start early, I'll get less. But as soon as I hit that full retirement age month, my payment will zoom back up again. Oh, no, yeah, permanent no. reduction. <laughs> right, right. Permanent reduction, right. again, the idea being if you're starting earlier, in theory, you're collecting for a longer period of time, so you're given less on an individual monthly basis. So again, you start prior to that full retirement age month, you get less each month, you can start as early as age 62 or at any point in between, but recognizing you start sooner, you get a lower amount for the rest of your life. Yeah, and I just wanted to jump in real quick, but sure. I, and then I'll let you go on. No. A common misconception is that sometimes I, well, sometimes when I ask people, when are you planning to retire? And their answer will be, well, Social Security says my full retirement age is 67. And so I, I think it's like, a, and I'm like, well, Social Security doesn't tell you when you need to retire. Like your your retirement does not need to line up with your full retirement age per the Social Security Administration. Because of course, as you said, there's ranges of, of ages when you can collect. And and it doesn't even, like it just, it doesn't have to line up. The two things are related. You're, you're you know, collecting Social Security is certainly related to your ideal retirement, but they're not, Social Security does not determine when people can retire. So I think that's a little bit of a common misconception as well. Oh, oh absolutely correct. Yeah. Those are two separate decisions. When do you want to stop working? When do you want to retire from work? And then when do you want to start collecting your Social Security benefits? And they don't have to be at the same time. Right. Absolutely right. Good. Absolutely right. Two separate decisions, different issues factor into uh, each decision. Yeah. You know, your health uh, at work, are you enjoying yourself, things like that. And then in terms of the decision about collecting Social Security, well, that's a really financial issue that, yeah. uh, that you know, you folks are, are uh, positioned to help people understand and, and make that reasoned decision. Sure, related to your, your portfolio and other sources of income oh, and absolutely. things like that. So yeah, I just wanted to be clear. I didn't mean to interrupt. So no, no, uh, no, no, absolutely not. Yep. So among the other options though, are to wait past full retirement age before starting to collecting it, if that makes sense to the individual. And if you think about it with that social insurance idea, if you've opted to defer, well, by starting later, in theory anyway, you're going to be collecting for a shorter period of time. So by all rights, your monthly benefit ought to be increased if you wait. And it is. These are referred to as delayed retirement credits. And for each month past your full retirement age that you opt not to collect, you'll now find that your payment amount has been increased by two-thirds of a percent per month. Now, two-thirds percent per month? That translates into an 8% per year increase by waiting. But again, you don't have to not collect for a full year. For each month past your full retirement age, you defer. Your benefit permanently increased by that two-thirds percent per month. But here's the key thing, Alyssa. These delayed retirement credits only accrue from someone's full retirement age month until the month they turn age 70. Right. So for each month between full retirement age and 70 that you opt to defer, your payment permanently increased by that two-thirds percent per month. You opt to wait past age 70, which is a choice and an option, because by the way, there is no required minimum distribution on Social Security benefits. You never have to take your Social Security payments. But if you wait between full retirement age and 70, your benefits increase for each month you've deferred no additional increase by waiting past that point. So as I explain it to folks, try and help them visualize it, it's really like this continuum. You can start as early as age 62, makes no sense to wait past age 70 before starting. So which point along that line makes the most sense for the individual, recognizing that you start at the month of full retirement age, you get 100% of your benefit, you start at any point prior to that, you get less. You wait beyond that, you get more. And again, a whole bunch of issues come into play. Someone's health, longevity, and they need the money. They're going to keep working. All those factors come into play. But it's an individual choice, an individual decision. I never try and tell people what they should do. Hope to understand what they can do. And with that information, they're in a better position to decide what they should do. And some, some people that I have discussions with are sort of hyper-focused on how do I get the most from the, social, from the government? 
right? And, you know, in, in, in my mind, the date on which you collect is related to your other sources of income and what's a, you know, and your portfolio and, you know, making sure to not overdraw from your portfolio and things like that and, um, and, and, and your longevity. But some people are sort of hyper-focused on when, when should I collect to maximize my income from the government because they've paid into the system all these years. Oh, that's a very simple question. And yeah. I answer it uh, all the time with tongue planted firmly in cheek. The way you maximize your lifetime social security benefits is to wait until age 70 to start and then just live forever. Right. <laughs> right. It's really related to how long you're going to live if you die. Oh, it, you know, it, it, you, you peel yeah. away the onion a little bit. It's really yeah. a longevity decision. Yeah. And uh, as I also joke, uh, this decision about when to start collecting. It is a really easy one. All you need is one key piece of information. When are you going to die? Right. You know, and, and armed with that, it all falls into place. You don't have that information, though. Right. So you have to make your best guess. Again, factoring in longevity, health, things like that. And then the other advice I offer to people is make that informed decision and then move on. Yeah. Because you could indeed spend the rest of your life yeah. second guessing yourself. <laughs> yeah. And there are other things to worry about and be concerned about. Abs- Make that informed decision initially and then move on. Absolutely. Um, uh, Kurt, we have a caller, so I can't quite read. Uh, Joanne. Joanne, it looks like Joqua. <laughs> Your handwriting. It's Tim. really Joanne. <laughs> it's really. <I> swear. <laughs> we're going to go to Joanne from Middleborough. Good morning, Joanne. How are you? Good morning. Fine. How are you? Good. Thank you. What can we do for you? I have a question about collecting Social Security. My husband turned 65 in June, and we're both still going to work until whenever, how long we can. So we won't be collecting for a while. And I've heard a lot of stories about you have to go to Social Security, you have to call them before you're 65, but of course, you know, you can't go in the office. He's called and they say, don't worry about it, just continue working. But we have heard stories about if you don't contact them when you're turning 65, even though you're working, you get a penalty later on when you do collect. Um, I'm, we're still fully insured. We don't need Medicare or Medicaid or anything right now. So do we just keep working and going on until we retire or should he still contact Social Security? Uh, Great question, Joanne, and that really flows from there's two separate issues that people need to focus on Mm -hmm. at this time in life. One is Social Security retirement and cash benefits, but the other issue is entitlement to Medicare. Mm -hmm. Medicare is the federal health insurance program for people who are 65 years of age or older or have been on disability for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Medicare eligibility is age 65, Mm -hmm. and in general, If someone doesn't enroll in Medicare when first eligible, Mm -hmm. but then tries to enroll at a later date, they can face penalties in terms of higher premiums and delays in coverage if they hadn't signed up when they were first eligible. But the key thing is this. As long as someone at age 65 is working and has employer group health insurance, either Mm -hmm. through his or her own employment or a spouse's employment. And the key thing is it has to be active employment. You can't Mm -hmm. be a retiree. But as long as you have employer group health coverage at age 65, you have the ability to defer enrolling in Medicare until that employer coverage ends. And then when you sign up, you won't face a penalty in terms of higher premiums or delays in coverage as long as you've had that employer group health coverage. So two separate decisions, when to collect Social Security, but then the issue about Medicare, and generally Medicare, you need to deal with the issue of Medicare at age 65, regardless of what you're thinking about doing for Social Security cash benefits. Because again, in general, if you don't sign up when you're first eligible, try and get in at a later date. You're going to face higher premiums, delays in coverage. But as long as, and Joanne, I think that's the case with you and your husband right now at mm-hmm. age 65, you've got employer group health coverage. You don't right. need to worry about signing up for Medicare. Now, with Medicare, there's a couple of different parts. Part A is hospital insurance. If you have Part A of Medicare, you're admitted to the hospital. Medicare helps pay for your inpatient cost. Medicare Part A comes at no cost to you because while you've been working and your husband's been working, you've been paying a 1.45% Medicare tax. And so Mm -hmm. generally at 65, even if somebody's working, 
I encourage them to sign up for Part A of Medicare because it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. There's no premium. The bigger issue, the one I've been focusing on, is Part B of Medicare, which is non-inpatient stuff, doctor service, outpatient, things like that. That's the one where there's a premium if you want it. And if you don't enroll when first eligible, you're going to face higher premiums. But for the two of you around the time you turn 65, no reason not to sign up for Part A of Medicare. You can do that online at Social Security's website. Get a nice little red, white, and blue health care card. And if you happen to be admitted to the hospital, an inpatient, show them that card along with your employer card and let them figure it out. But uh, for the two of you anyway, at age 65, it's really the Medicare that needs to be focused on or anyone at 65. Um, because you don't want to stumble, bumble, fumble, rumble in a position where you inadvertently find yourself down the road looking to sign up for Medicare, finding out you should have signed up earlier, and being faced with higher premiums and delays in coverage. So he should go on their site now and sign for Part A because he's 65 in June, even Correct. though we're still both going to work. And Part A is free. Part A is free, yep. Yep, yep. Okay. So, so click on the website and uh, where it says uh, Medicare and then uh, gives you a whole bunch of uh, information about how you can roll in Part A of Medicare even if you're still working. Okay, Part A is free. I like the free part. <laughs> free, and yeah. if we retire at 68 or at 70, then you go on you get the Part B, which they take out of your check monthly. Is that correct? Correct, Joanne. Absolutely correct. And what will happen is you go to Social Security at that point, Age 68, we'll say, say, I want Part B. They'll say, you know, again, tongue-in-cheek here with me, you should have signed up at 65. You go, oh, no, no, we had employer coverage. And they go, prove it. Yeah. They give you a form that the employer yeah. fills out and just says, yeah, they had health coverage through mm-hmm. us. That's that's your get-out-of-jail-free card, your golden ticket or whatever. But you don't need to do anything at age 65 to say you have employer coverage. And that's why you're declining coverage. It's when you do eventually enroll, that's when you'll come up with a form, prove to Social Security that you had that employer coverage, and that's all you need. Because I was worried because my mother, who was 95, and she retired at 67, she is still paying a penalty for something about she didn't sign up at 65, mm-hmm. but she didn't retire till 67. She did not know she had to call them, and she still pay a penalty 30 years yep. later. Yep. Yep, it is That's uh, sad. That's penalty. very sad. Right. And yeah. so as long as, though, the two of you have this employer group health coverage yeah. because you're working, and that's the key thing, you can't have COBRA coverage and be entitled to this get-out-of-jail-free card. You can't have retiree right. coverage. But as long as you're still working, have that employer group health coverage, you're going to be fine and able to Great. sign up without penalty when that employer coverage ends. All right. Thanks for the good news. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend, Joanne. You too. Thanks a lot. Take care, Joanne. Bye-bye. Kurt, uh, thank you for that response. Along those lines, how about about just really quickly logistics regarding when someone wants to sign up for Social Security, the cash benefits, and what what the lead time is for that? Sure. And and it's the same thing for Medicare or for Social Security cash benefits. Social Security can accept an application no more than three months in advance of the month the person wants to start to either collect benefits or sign up for Part A of Medicare. So, for example, you've got somebody who's going to be retiring from work June 30th looking to collect Social Security benefits effective with the month of July. Yeah. That person can apply for Social Security benefits anytime after the 1st of April, three months in advance, April, May, or June, okay. with their coverage, and same thing for Medicare, or cash benefits effective with the month of July. Okay. But here's an important note for folks. A lot of people may not recognize this, but Social Security benefits are paid one month in arrears, meaning oh. you retire from work June 30th, want to collect Social Security effective with the month of July, you're not going to see your first payment until August. Oh, okay. The money sent to you in August is your payment for the month of July. Okay. And the other thing is this. Prior to 1997, Social Security paid everybody on the third day of the month. So the Payments that went out on the third were for the for the month before, but for the past twenty plus years, Social Security has staggered benefit payments through the course of the month based on somebody's date of birth. So. 
date of birth between the 1st and the 10th. You're always paid on the second Wednesday of the month, hmm. 11th to the 20th, third Wednesday, 21st through the end of the month, the fourth Wednesday of the month. So birth date on the 25th, retire at the end of June. You're not going to see your first Social Security payment till the 4th Wednesday of August. Something you need to plan for. Cool. Kurt, thank you so much. We're just going to take a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed talking to Kurt Zarnowski about Social Security. Taking a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, giving some information this morning for people that are worried about employment and income and have been impacted financially as most people have uh, during COVID-19. And uh, this last hour, uh, last half hour, and for the next half hour, my co-host is Kurt Zarnowski. He's a social security consultant and expert. Self-proclaimed expert, Alyssa. Okay. Self-proclaimed, <laughs> Self-proclaimed expert. expert. I would back you on that. Uh, Kurt worked for the Social Security Administration for 34 years and is now an independent consultant. So we've had Kurt on the show several times. He's always great. We've had Kurt do several speaking engagements for us on Social Security and uh, always informative and entertaining. So thank you for joining me remotely, Kurt. Sure. Um, sure. I appreciate it. And so yep. we've got about 25 minutes and just to touch on a few other pertinent things regarding... Um, people that are of the age to collect social security, which is between 62 and 70. Sure. Um, so go ahead. So, yep. So, go ahead. I was just, I was going to, well, I, if, I was going to go to people, to married couples and what options are for collecting on each other, unless you wanted to go somewhere else before that. Well, so since we're focusing on COVID-19 right now, let's, let's just touch on a couple issues okay. uh, pertaining to people who may be adversely impacted um, by the, you know, find, find themselves unemployed, yeah. find themselves in a position where, say, they recognize that by waiting to collect their Social Security benefits, they'd get more each month. They fully intended to wait, but now find themselves out of work. Mm-hmm. Where do they turn? Well, a couple of points. The good news is, as we mentioned, if you're over the age of 62, collecting Social Security payments is an option for someone. And we did mention you start prior to your full retirement age you get less each month by starting sooner but if you're in a position where you need the money if you're over the age of 62 collecting social security reduced retirement benefits is an option Mm -hmm. now it's also important to point out to folks that collecting social security benefits does not adversely impact someone's ability to collect unemployment nor do unemployment benefits impact somebody's ability to collect social security benefits okay so that there's no offset one way or the other now 20 something years ago there used to be okay but no longer the case so over the age of 62 it's possible to collect both unemployment and social security benefits i didn't know that social security didn't impact unemployment that's no that's no, great to a, know okay again a change probably about 20 years yeah ago. okay okay but the other point I always try and make in situations like this and talk to a lot of folks, say 2008, 2009, and uh, even 2001, people need to understand that the decision to start collecting Social Security retirement benefits doesn't have to be an irrevocable one. So you're in a position at age 62 or 63, you're laid off. Yes, indeed. You're going to start and you choose to collect Social Security retirement benefits now. Yes, you're going to receive a reduced payment amount. But it doesn't mean that you can't ever go back to work because you can sit there and say a period of time goes by and you are able to return to work. People need to understand, if you're under your full retirement age and working, you're limited in how much you can earn each year before it begins to impact your ability to collect. Now, this is earned income, wages, net income from self-employment, not unearned income like unemployment compensation or 401k distributions or bank interest, things like that. But you find yourself in a position where after a year of collecting, you go back to work and you're now back to making $150,000 a year. One of the great things that happens is you tell Social Security you've returned to work. They will suspend your benefits because you're now making too much to be able to collect. And the good news is when someone reaches full retirement age, Social Security goes back and reviews their payment history. Okay. The initial benefit rate is set based on an assumption the person's going to collect 
each and every month from that first month of eligibility right up until full retirement age. That's how the reduction rate is set. But if it turns out there's a period of time where someone doesn't collect, because during this period they have returned to work, making too much to be able to collect, the good news yeah. is at full retirement age, someone's benefit rate is adjusted upward. So, so it, might not, comes up. it might not be their original full retirement benefit, but it will be adjusted upward from the benefit that they originally started to collect. Exactly. Okay. And so that the final reduction... Okay if you think about it, is only for the number of months that somebody had actually collected payments. Okay. Now, the other option that people have, and you don't have to do, don't have to do anything, this is done automatically. But people also need to understand, so you start to collect at age 63, and six months later, you return to work, and you decide, well, maybe collecting wasn't the right thing to do. As long as someone has been collecting for 12 months or less, fewer than 12 months of payments, they retain the right to, and the technical term is, withdraw their application for benefits. To withdraw the application, they fill out a little form, tell Social Security, I've changed my mind, or whatever. For Social Security to grant that withdrawal request, need to do one thing, one thing only, they simply repay benefits that they had received. Now, key thing is, no interest is charged. You simply repay the principal. Cool. Yeah. And once that check clears, it's as if the prior application never occurred. The person is free to reapply at a later date, and their payment rate will be set as of the date of that new and second application. Okay. Key thing, though, is you can do this once in a lifetime, Okay. and you can only do it if you've been collecting for 12 months or less. Yeah, that way I have to go to a caller in one second, but that that's a nice option for people because I have stumbled across people that collected, that didn't understand the benefits of waiting to collect and the adjustment upward and sort of made the decision, you know, without doing much research. And if they want to change their mind, as long as they've been collecting for under a year, that's a great option for people. So I'm glad you touched on that. One other quick thing, and then we'll take the caller. But the other people that people need to understand is, once you've reached your full retirement age or older, another option you have, though, is to request voluntary payment suspension. So you turn 67, and you realize, I started at 63 or 64. I'm getting a lower amount. I should have waited. As long as you're over your full retirement age, you can call up Social Security and ask to have your payments suspended meaning you're not going to collect, and for each month you don't collect, you're back in the business of accruing those delayed retirement credits, Okay. growing your benefits. So in, even in situations where you've collected for more than 12 months, well, you can't withdraw, repli- uh, repay, and reapply, but if you're over full retirement age, you can ask to have your payments voluntarily suspended and increase the benefit through those delayed retirement credit increases of two-thirds percent per month, 8% per year, right up until age 70. Yeah, so these are great options for people, obviously over age 62, who are maybe weren't intend, who were intending to work more and are temporarily unemployed, but maybe they find themselves going back to work later. So um, good to know that there are options in terms of maximizing their social security benefit. Um, let's go to our caller. We have John from Marshfield. Good morning, John. Hey, Liz, how are you doing? Honey? Good, how are you? Uh, not too bad. Hey, I had a good, uh, uh, let's see, uh, timing is appropriate to have your guest on. What's what's his first name? Kurt. Zarn- Kurt Zarnowski. Yep. K-U-R-C. Uh, just, like, just like Kurt Reed. Uh, Kirk is, my husband is K-I-R-K. Right. This okay. Kurt is K-U-R-T. Yeah. K-U-R-T. Kurt yep. is for, okay, that's right. Kurt. Um, yeah. Um, I have two questions for you. Um, first question is, what is the impact of retiring my, interestingly enough, my full retirement age would be in a year. Um, what is the impact of collecting Social Security and the tax impact of collecting Social Security before your maximum age as it applies to your earnings? In other words, say, say as an example, I wanted to start collecting Social Security next month at 65, um, and I'm gonna work full time what would the impact of my earnings be? In other words, for a couple filing jointly, what's the maximum amount that we can earn before we have a heavy tax lien put against us? Uh, that's the first question. And then the other question that I have for you, Chris, um, 
the uh, how does the uh, how does Social Security? Uh, I know that over a period of time there are increases to Social Security to what you're collecting. There's a one percent or whatever it is every year, every two years, whatever it is. How do they come up with that? How much they're going to increase on a year-to-year basis? So the first question is, what's the tax impact if you collect? And if you collect before the maximum age and continue to work, and then the second question is, what is the, uh, um, how do they figure out how much, what the increases are year to year? Okay. Sure. So the first question is basically, if you receive Social Security benefit payments, are you going to have to pay federal income tax on the money that you've collected? Bit of history, prior to 1983, Social Security payments were completely federal tax-free. But that year, Congress changed the IRS code and said if you were, air quotes here, a higher income Social Security beneficiary, then you'd be required to pay federal income tax on a portion of your benefit payments. Back in 1983, Congress defined higher income as if you were a single tax filer, if you had income in excess of $25,000, or if you were a couple filing a joint return, if you had income in excess of 32000 and it's income from all sources, it's earned and unearned, it's something called combined income, which consists of three things, your adjusted gross income, tax-free interest that you'd receive but avoided paying federal income tax on, plus 50% of your Social Security benefits. You add those three things up, and if that was under $25,000 for a single tax filer, under $32,000 for a couple filing jointly, well, you wouldn't pay federal income tax on any portion of the payments that you had received, but if those three things added up to more than those numbers, then you'd be required to pay federal income tax on up to 50% yeah, that's of the right. payments that's that you right. had received. That, that's what I had heard. It was, it was 50%. So, uh, but but what, as, what as happened, as John, Congress yeah. never indexed the thresholds. And so here we are 37 years later. It's still an issue, assuming you and your wife file a joint tax return. Right. If you have income from all sources in excess of $32,000, you are now going to find yourself in a position of having to pay federal income tax on up to 85% of the payments uh, that you had received in the mm-hmm. prior year. 85% treated as ordinary income, treated yep. as ordinary income tax at whatever marginal tax rate you're at. So does that mean you see you use a lot of ground figures here? Um, say say you have a couple making a hundred thousand dollars because that's an easy one, and say they decide that for whatever stupid reason they decide that at sixty five they're going to retire prior to the, the the maximum age, so that at say say they and say they do that. So if they, they make a hundred thousand dollars combined income, they could end up. Can you take out the thirty two thousand? They could end up paying as much as eighty-five percent of the the additional sixty-eight thousand. Their social no. So you're going to look at eighty-five percent of the social security benefit payments that they had received in the prior year. So they got ten thousand dollars in benefits. Eighty-five okay. percent of that is eighty-five hundred dollars. So eighty-five hundred dollars now gets thrown back in the hopper as taxable income, taxed at whatever marginal. So it's, so it's not 85% of how much you made above the threshold. It's 85% of how much they're going to pay you. I, I think there's two things that, that I think, Kurt, I think it's important to, there's two things going on here. There's how much of your Social Security benefit is taxable. Right. And what is the penalty for earned income if you collect your Social Security before your full that, retirement age? That's, that's, that's the direction of my, like my question. There okay. you go. Okay, I don't know. All right, okay. so, so you're right. There's two questions. Can you collect in the first place if you're still working? And then, well, if you do collect, what portion of your Social Security payments are subject to federal income tax? That's We've been dealing right. with the second issue. The first issue, yeah. though, is if you are under your full retirement age, right. as I mentioned in a previous answer, uh, and working... There's an earnings limitation that comes into play that impacts whether you can collect or not in the first place. And if you're under right. your full retirement age this year, for example, you're right. allowed to make up to 
$240 without any loss of benefits whatsoever. You make more than that $18,240. Doesn't mean you can't necessarily collect it all, but Social Security starts to hold back $1 in benefit payments for each $2 that you're over that threshold. So, so it is a 50%. That's, that's, yeah. that's what others have told me, um, and I've never actually heard clarification of that. So that, that clarifies it. So basically, you are paying to. Every every dollar every uh, dollar you pay you earn you're going to pay fifty cents back. Every but you dollar you be ev- able to collect in the first place. That's right. that's the right. issue. It, it, it's John. It's every dollar you earn over that eighteen thousand dollar limit. I understand. Okay, yeah, all right. Understand. And it's not Kurt. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's not. They don't look at joint income in this situation. It's that one person's income. Correct. Well, yes or, and no because it, well, now it's the same thing. It, yeah. Each individual's income as to whether or not they can collect in the first place. Okay. But then, if you're filing a joint tax return, right? Then it's the couple's combined income that's looked at in determining whether or not you're going to pay federal income tax okay. on a portion of the payments that is, you would receive. Is that, okay. the, is that thirty-six thousand then? Double the eighteen? No, it's eighteen two forty per person. So, so you're working, your wife is working, each of you is making more than 18240 Well, mm-hmm. whether you can collect or not in the first place depends on how much more you're making above that threshold. You're making $100,000 a year, each of you. You're well above that 18240 You're making far more than would allow Social Security to pay you any benefits in the first place. And so, therefore, you're not going to have to worry about paying federal income tax on your Social Security benefits because you wouldn't have collected any in the first place. Mm-hmm. But okay. but that so but beyond your full retirement age, John. Which what's your full retirement? Sixty six and a half. Sixty six two. Okay, so beyond that age, you can. There's no offset for earned income. You can collect your full reti- your full Social Security benefit and earn right. as much money as you want. And there's no right. offset, but you have to wait till your full retirement age for that. No, I, I knew I knew okay. that part of it. That's yeah. why I, I wouldn't even think about going before then. The question okay. is, what if I what if for whatever reason, I wanted to do it. Do it now. Now, another question, Kurt, that you you, you hit on. You answered a question and, and and caused a question. I suppose that's a good thing. <laughs> um, the other question is: once you collect Social Security, once you collect Social Security, are do you pay? Uh, do you pay? If I continue working, once I collect, once I begin collecting Social Security, and say it's at the max sixty six two. On my regular earnings, if I work beyond that and continue to have an income, which I intend to do, if I work beyond that, do I also do I have to continue to pay into Social Security? Uh, do I have to continue continue to pay Social Security uh, beyond? Good question. Uh, so, yeah. Good question. Good and question, the answer yeah. is absolutely yes. Now, good news for the folks in Social Security. <laughs> but there's a caveat. The folks yeah. in Social yeah. Security because they can use the money, but. We hadn't gotten to this. Social Security benefits are calculated by averaging your 35 highest years of inflation-adjusted work under the system. And it's your high 35 regardless of when they occur. It isn't necessarily your first 35. It isn't necessarily 35 last years. It isn't even necessarily 35 consecutive years. So, John, for you, you start to collect, but you continue to work. You do pay that Social Security tax. But the good news is, at the end of the year, if that year of earnings is higher than the lowest of the 35 inflation-adjusted years that Social Security had been using to calculate your benefit, well, they're going to automatically recompute your benefit. Drop out that low year, plug in that new year, and it'll result in a benefit increase for you for the rest of your life. So this ability to increase your payment through work, it continues forever. Delayed retirement credits, touched on, those stop at age 70, no additional bump by waiting past age 70 to start collecting. But no matter how old you are, if you're working, paying into the system, and your earnings are higher than the lowest of the 35 years that Social Security had been using, well, the great news is it's going to result in a payment increase for you for the rest of your life. Okay. okay. And, frankly, continuing to work never hurts. Because if it's a lower year, it doesn't drop your benefit because it's always based on your high 35. Mm-hmm. Right. The other question is, the, the question that moves into that is when they calculate that income for that year, are they calculating what you earned plus what you, is it a total of your Social Security benefit 
plus what you earned? No, it's only the earnings Sorry. that you have that are subject <laughs> I know, to social security. <laughs> That'd be too good I to be was, true. I was hoping the system would account for that, but I'm unfortunately that's not the case. They catch you there, right? <laughs> I think. Hey, just a quick answer to your second question, John. Right. Social Security annual cost of living adjustment based right. on an increase in something called the consumer price, price index. index. Right. For urban wage earners, the CPIW tracked by the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yep. Social Security compares the CPIW for the third quarter of one calendar year to the third quarter of the following calendar year. And whatever increase has occurred in the CPIW during that 12-month period, that's what gets passed on to Social Security beneficiaries and shows up in the payments they received the following January. So it's an automatic based on that increase in the CPIW. Now, it's not, <laughs> with a very unusual circumstances this year, it doesn't mean if, it doesn't mean if everything goes down, it goes down, right? It that stays is correct. Minimum. That is correct. That's a good yep. thing. It's like an insurance policy, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. That There's is a correct. Floor, yeah. Yep. Yep. Or, or a uh, annuity, which I know you hate. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a strong word, <laughs> but I, yeah. <laughs> it's set up, it's really, Social Security is really set up like an annuity. It really is. And, and pensions yeah. are usually yeah. set up like an annuity as well. So as much as everyone hates annuities, if you have a, uh, a spouse that's working a state or federal or local job and being paid that way, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> they they have their, annuities have their place in the world. I've always said that. I, I, yep. I know, I know they do. Uh, John, did you hear Kurt's explanation of, of the people that collect um, that collect and then change their mind and you have the ability to reverse yeah. your decision yeah. if it's within 12 months? Okay, I just want to make we're sure. Not gonna, we're not too good to do that. Yeah. Oh, the, the other question, oh, I, and there was another question, I'm sorry. Uh, the other question is when, when figuring the total, when figuring the total, does that include if you've converted um, a traditional IRA, say, to a Roth IRA? Is that, is that included in the tabulation of your earnings? Well, again, it comes down to two separate issues. Can you collect in the first place and conversion of an IRA to a Roth? That's not considered earned income. Okay. So that doesn't right. impact your ability to collect in the first place. Okay. But okay. conversion of a IRA to a Roth, it is considered income for federal income tax purposes and yeah. does impact whether or not you'll pay federal income tax on the Social Security payments that you had received? Well, the good news is the, baby, the, best, the federal government, the front end of the baby boomers or more, is beginning to retire. And the good news is that the federal government is going to profit greatly from that because the, the uh, investment of our day was IRAs, yeah. and we are close to receiving a point where we have to convert those, and even, even Mike... Uh, even though his dad Mike doesn't have a resolution as to what to do with that money and how to escape the uh, tax tax dog oh, you know? of required distributions. Yeah, you're right. The government right. will get its tax revenue one day, and the yeah, day the will. day is coming for many baby boomers with 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 large IRAs. Well, fortunately, yeah. fortunately, Alyssa, they've changed that to seventy two yet. Yeah, and when we have we have uh, made the perfunctory trip to the um, Social Security office, so. Some of that, some of that, you're filling in some of the blanks that we we had with regards to uh, Social Security. But uh, it, it's beneficial yeah. to sit and visit, you know, when everything gets back to to normal, whatever normal will be. It is beneficial for anyone to take that trip to the Social Security office because they're very patient. They answer, they're good about answering your questions, and it's good to see to meet with somebody as opposed to talk to somebody at the window. You know, absolutely. So, great show this morning. Thank you so much for your help, Kurt. And thanks, I look John. Good luck to you around the soccer fields. Also. Oh, thanks, John. Have a good day. Take care. You too. All right, bye. Yeah, bye. Um, so one right. other thing, let me yep, throw in, uh, in in terms of follow-up on John's stuff. What we've been talking about is federal tax liability on Social Security payments that you had received. State tax liability, it's a whole separate issue. Now, the vast majority of states, 37 out of 50 states, do not tax Social Security benefit payments in any way, shape, or fashion, including here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But there are 13 states where Social Security payments are subject to state income tax in some form or fashion. So 
somebody moving out of Massachusetts, retiring somewhere else, you just need to double check with the taxing authorities in the state Mm -hmm. you reside in to see whether or not your Social Security payments may be subject to state income tax. But again, the vast majority, 37 out of 50, including here in the Commonwealth, your Social Security benefit payments are completely state tax-free. Got it. What we've been talking about with John is federal taxation. Kurt, we have one really, two minutes, so really quick. Steve, do you have a really quick question? And if not, I'll I'll give you, uh, we'll give out Kurt's contact info. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, good morning. Basically, I'm looking for information. I'm married. Uh, We're both uh, retired. And I'm looking at taking full Social Security next year. I'm just wondering... um, if that's, uh, uh. So, um, so, so, Steve, how old are you? Are you at your full retirement age? If you're under full retirement age, are you going to keep working? That impacts your ability to collect in terms of spousal benefits, a situation where both of you have worked and paid into the system. The system is set up so, for example, you start to collect if your wife is interested in collecting. What Social Security will do is look at her full retirement age amount If it's less than 50% of your full retirement age amount, well, then she could get some additional money on top of her own to bring her up to that 50% of yours. But if her own benefit is more than 50% of yours, there are no spousal benefits that are paid, and each of you collects based on your respective work records. And there are no more strategies, really, for coordinating benefit payments. It's based uh, pretty straightforward now. Comparison between your benefit and 50% of hers and 50% of yours and hers. If it exceeds, you collect each on your own. Steve, if you want to leave your phone number or email, I can um, get you Kurt's contact information, and you guys, or you can call him offline. I'm so sorry we ran out of time. Um, Kurt, I just Kurt Zarnowski, want to give out your contact ZarnowskiConsulting.com, C Z A R Nowski Consulting.com, uh, Kurt at gmail.com or 774-571-3256. Kurt, thank you so much for your time today. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find out more about me at McNamarafinancial.com. I hope everyone stays safe and healthy. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.